Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, ooh, let the dogs out. Ooh, ooh. Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Good morning to you and yours. It is a Monday and somewhat of a Halloween, uh, a holiday week Monday, kind of, sort of. Guys, do you like it when the holiday falls on a Saturday or Sunday? I do not. No, I hate it. I didn't mind Saturday, but, you know, as a kid growing up, I hated going to church. So I hated when it fell on a Sunday because, like, how can I enjoy Christmas when I have to go to church? Sorry, I'm going to hell. I know, but. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Caleb's heretic ways shines through <laughs> on this December the 19th. So a big week uh, for me is it was a big wedding anniversary, wife's birthday, mom's birthday. So I was out of town. Thanks for uh, filling in. Fantastic job as always. And you guys had more than I wanted you to have to talk about with the past. <laughs> so I'll just uh, say <laughs> My two cents worth on that, a guy that I definitely will regret not being able to interview from a personal perspective, a guy that, and I listened to a lot when I was in Miami, just of of his clips, and I think a couple or three kind of rise to the top, uh, the fat little girlfriends and stuff like that, of, of ones that we find most memorable. But there was one day we were driving around trying to find a casino and we must have listened to an hour and a half solid. He was that good. So his his content had depth and not just had a couple of bright spots here and there like Derek Dooley, maybe where you say he's clever. And it was just all it was it was so non coach like I definitely um can say from a personal perspective that's a guy that i hate to lose and and caleb is as you point out uh pointed out in your column about josh heupel here is a guy that 
uh, he really influenced the direction that football was taken at the NFL level, even. And um, just a lot of kudos for him and uh, prayers to his family. It was uh, certainly uh, a tough week. I was told by one person that uh, you know he had a massive heart attack and he knew he had a valve issue. And just like he would anything else, he would dive deep into something. Maybe it's football. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's pirates. But he dove deep in the different kinds of valve replacements that you could get because he wanted to know the exact type of valve replacement that had the highest success rate. And apparently it didn't get to that point where they replaced that valve. But that's just the type of guy he was. He would get obsessed with something. And that was obviously very important, but he'd get obsessed with things that weren't incredibly important. And that's kind of what, what made him really neat and uh, really special. So, And a lot of news, too, from last week. I want to get to Jalen Hyatt deciding that he's going to go to the NFL and also uh, Cedric Tillman, which I don't think was a surprise. Good morning, Amanda LaFrada. How are you? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Good morning, Caleb. Please hit that like button. And if you haven't subscribed already, do so. We've got a big show on tap. Chris Landry will uh, join us. And uh, yeah, I'll start with you, Amanda. How will uh, Mike Leach be remembered? Um, I don't think he'll be remembered as an elite, elite X's and O's coach um, because he didn't have the success, the championships. But I think he'll be remembered by people that know football as one that changed the course of the game. I mean, if not that, he's going to be remembered as the best uh, interview ever. I mean, the best person to ever interview, the the one that's closest to the people that cares about the people. And it's, it's what you see is what you got with Mike Leach. And I really, really just, again, the only time I've ever fangirled, it was, you know, at Mike Leach at SEC Media Days and I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't go talk to him because I love Mike Leach so much. Um, but he'll be remembered as one of the the best to ever give an interview. I mean, honestly. Nah, he's pretty special. Now, let, let's go back to coaching cycles because we're not going to directly compare Josh Heupel. We're not going to directly compare Mike Leach because they would have been in the churn at different times. But can you imagine where Tennessee would be right now, Caleb, if if they'd hired Mike Leach instead of Jeremy Pruitt in that initial cycle, what are your, what are your thoughts? Um, I, or we could actually even go back further because 2008, I think you even told me that, but um, I don't know because I, I, I think that we talked to Landry last week and he was talking about that, you know, the air raid has really expanded and evolved over time and different coaches like Lincoln Riley and Josh Heupel have used great elements of it. He said Leach's weakness kind of was he's so stubbornly stuck to the system that he installed no matter what. And it brought the best at smaller schools like Washington state, Texas tech. I think what he would have done at Tennessee would have been relatively what he did at Washington state, Texas tech. I think the thing with the way he ran the air raid was the floor was really, really high and the ceiling was a little bit lower than it should be, if that makes sense. Um, and so I think at Tennessee, we'd have eight, we'd be seeing him put together eight, nine win seasons and, you know, an 11 and two season here and there in the playoff run here and there may get in a couple of times. Um, that's where I think Tennessee would have been if he were there. 
Now, if you want to compare the two, I, th- I think that Tennessee is better off with Josh Heupel, but you also would have avoided that whole four-year disaster that was Jeremy Pruitt. Oh, significantly better than those years. Yeah. So you would put yourself – I think Tennessee, if Mike Leach had been hired before Jeremy Pruitt, and by the way, told Philip Fulmer really did not like uh, Mike Leach for whatever reason. I never got to the bottom of that. But um, and that was like because Mike Leach was a good guy. Yeah, whatever. Uh, if that's the case, it could be. But uh, Leach, if he had any shot at the job, that was nixed at the end by Fulmer. I think what you'd be looking at right now in 2022, heading into 2023. And please hit that like button. It helps us uh, show up to more people. Good morning, Smoky Mountain Red. I think what you would be looking at is a fan base that's kind of in the middle and an administration that loves the guy they have in Mike Leach, but kind of wants to see if they can make an upgrade. And that can be a tough position to be in, especially when your coach is so likable. But, boy, you can't imagine two different guys, offensive-minded, defensive-minded, outgoing, not outgoing. <laughs> than Jeremy Pruitt in that hire. I can't come up with more differences between them. I can't come up with a single similarity between them, Caleb, other than the fact that they both were coaches in the SEC. Yeah, and and we we know Fulmer made that hire for a couple of reasons. One, he wanted his own puppet to where any, any success Pruitt had was going to be his success, and Mike Leach wouldn't necessarily be that because Tennessee was already talking to Mike Leach before Fulmer came as AD. But you're right. Um, and then, and then on top of that, I don't think Fulmer believed in, he's never been a fan of, I guess, ahead of the curve style offenses. And he said as much in his press conference, by the way, when, when Pruitt was hired, Fulmer said, uh, I think at one point he's like, it's hard to be cute and win in this league. And I'm like, well, I, that, that, to me, that was a low blow at leech. Like the idea that it was just cute to win. It's like, no, you still, I mean, you know, the. You could still have players and, and run the air raid effectively. And 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 I'll say this too, Caleb, not to interrupt. Those Kentucky teams had horrible talent when Hal Mummy and Mike Lee were there. And they they won one, nine games at one point. So no, I think that's oversimplistic just to say being cute that you yeah. can in the SEC. Exactly. And former said that. And 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 I say, I, I push back, I say. If you're at Georgia or Alabama, you don't need to be creative. It's not cute. It's creative. If you're at Georgia or Alabama, you don't need to be creative because you can you can fall out of bed and land five-star recruits in your backyard. And so you can just simplify the offense and the defense and do well. I think Tennessee is a school where you got to be a little creative nowadays. This Fulmer made that hire like it was 1995, and Tennessee was the only school in the SEC with a giant recruiting budget and a 100,000-seat stadium. That's not the case anymore in the SEC. And you can't win. Like, Fulmer tried to replicate the Kirby Smart hire with Jeremy Pruitt. And and, and that part's very clear. And I think, yeah, you you, you can it, – it, it was an unfair gig to call it cute or gimmicky. It was creative. And creative, you can still win being creative. And so, I mean, Urban Meyer won two national championships with a creative offense. At the time, it was creative. Steve Spurrier had a creative offense in the nineties and absolutely obliterated the sec. Um, so I, I thought that was, I also thought that was a low blow when Fulmer said that. Yeah. I would uh, rank 
Steve Spurrier's offense right up there in cuteness, if that's the word we're using, with, with Mike Leach. And it was pretty darn good. Won two SEC titles and a national championship. Probably should have won another one. Probably would have won another one had he stayed a little bit longer. That's the down and dirty at 30. And it's brought, brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate.com. Andy Mason Real Estate.com. That's where you have to go to sign up for over 40 years of passionate, intense knowledge about the real estate market in Knoxville. Andy Mason will take care of you. Andy Mason is absolutely fantastic. Don't make a mistake that can cost you tens of thousands of dollars. So we'll go to the message board from time to time. What do you think? Uh, Smoky Mountain Red said Fulmer was a horrible AD. Well, I mean, in retrospect, you would certainly have to uh, disagree. You'd certainly have to agree with that. I can't disagree because I thought so as soon as the announcement was made. I got a call about three days before when he was the, uh, what was he, Caleb? Just the counselor, the special advisor. assistant to the AD. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was such a, what do you call it? Like it was a promotional role. I forget. I don't know what the name it was. a. It was just, a, it was to give him an official title. Just yeah. transparent is what it was. Yes. Exactly. And I, I had somebody call me the day he got that. That was on a Tuesday. They said he'll be uh, AD by Friday. And I said, no way. Not even he can pull those strings. He was. So uh, I could go ahead, Caleb. You were gonna I was just going to say, and it, you know, for me, it was that, you know, it, people talk about how bad it was in hindsight, but John Curry brought all of that on himself because he totally mismanaged that coaching search. Mike Leach should have been like second on his list, not like sixth or seventh the way it was. I mean, it, it's like they had a deck. Of, it's like if you rank, rank the coaches in a, on a deck of cards and they just shuffled them all around randomly because they had Dave Doran higher on their list than Mike Leach, which what? And so I, I think that, you know, this was when, when we, when I criticized the move of making former AD, that's not a defense of John Curry. He deserves no defense whatsoever for how he handled that situation. No, but I think there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, including one that's on Monday Night Football every night. So I, I don't think he had the job that he thought he was getting. I don't think he had ultimate say. I don't think he had even most of the say in some situations. Uh, Zool Beer Company, we're excited that we're going to be down there. We're going to do a uh, live event. We're looking forward to that. Zool Beer Company, xulbeer.com is your home for the absolute best beer in Knoxville and beyond. Worldwide award-winning craft beer in a great space downtown that you can park and uh, have a good time. And it's easy to park downtown. You don't say that a lot. Zool Beer Company. All right, so guys, I, I've seen the push-ups. And I, like I said, I was on vacation. So if, I, <clears throat> if I'm a little bit behind the curve, I apologize. But uh, I've seen the pictures of um i've seen the pictures of nico doing push-ups uh tennessee's five-star quarterback is on campus nico Iomaleva, and he seems to be everything that that tennessee fans could want for now so i i want to ask you this question because I, I i was just on the flight back uh from being out of town and i'll put this on my Twitter page. We can make it today's tough question if Amanda approves. But I just put it simply this. 
what are your immediate expectations of Nico? So I'd start the opener. I'd start later in 2024. And I had, and that should be uh, just learned uh, in, in the first year. So it would be start later in 2023. My apologies. So let's just go ahead and reset this. How about that, Amanda? I shouldn't be doing poll questions without you. Absolutely not. Okay. But do you so, see do you see the direction I'm going here? Yeah. So I'd say what are your expectations of Nico? And then we could say immediately starts or you know, starts in twenty twenty uh four, I guess, or starts midway twenty twenty three. I don't like the video of him doing the push ups though. Why? I don't because I think it's kind of a humiliating thing that you have this quarterback in here and, you know, he's rumored to have, have a huge NIL deal. And the first thing you do is, oh, Nico's here and he stepped on the tee. Let me video him doing push-ups. Like, I feel like this, I don't know. I mean, it's just me, but I feel like if I'm Nico, I'm like, I mean, I don't mind doing the push-ups. Did you have to blast it everywhere? Um, I don't know if that was UT that blasted it. <coughs> Perhaps he blasted it to be viewed as one of the team. I don't think it was him. I think it was a coach. I don't have a problem with the the push ups if that's part of the initiation. I think it's probably good for him to do that. I don't. Oh, that's think... fine. Just don't blast it all over social media. And, like embarrass the kid. Had good form. Elbows in. I was pretty impressed. Push from the chest. Uh, Caleb, your thoughts on Nico doing push-ups? Yeah, um, I didn't mind it as much. I, I mean, I got to be honest with you guys. Mm-hmm. It, this seemed like a, it seemed like a dig at Jeremy Banks more than anything else because we know about those rumors of him not doing the push-ups. That's what I thought of, to be real. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it seemed like a massive dig at Jeremy Banks, and it basically being like this guy's not going to call such a shot at the college football playoff, <laughs> and so. So, uh, Smoky Mountain Red said, have him do more leg presses instead. That's true. The guy does still look light. Daniel agrees with Caleb. Um, uh, Daniel says, uh, I think it breaks through the idea that he's above certain things just because he's that guy. Yeah, and he, he was smiling, he, and he did it. How many push-ups do you think that he could do on demand? Like if he got $1,000 of push-up? I'd say 50 because I mean I think he could go as as long as he wanted to because he I mean he's got nothing pushing up like he he's you know it's not like he has I know he doesn't have a lot of muscle but he also doesn't have a lot of mass so it's not like he's pushing up a lot now hit that like button and that way we can be a part of your day to day we're here at eight thirty Eastern each and every day with uh, Caleb Calhoun and Amanda Laprada I'm Dave Hooker. I didn't have a problem with the push-ups because he was smiling and it was a good thing. But we have seen some of these, if it was a, a hazing thing, we have seen them go awry where it could start a fit. And we have seen this locker room go awry as we did before South Carolina. So, yeah, I, I think you just want him brought in. So what's our, what's our today's tough question? I'll go ahead and play the element and tell you who it's brought to today. Today's tough question is brought to you by our friends at Guardian Investments. I'll tell you more. Today's tough question is now. We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. 
What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, eh, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh my God. In a world where knowledge is power, education is the battery that makes it run. That's why Guardian Investment Groups, they make sure that they are able to tell you where your money is going and why. That's a financial strategy, not just do this, do that with your money. They are that awesome. So uh, Guardian Financial Investment Group, and all you have to do is go to giaplantoday.com, giaplantoday.com. And with all this video teleconferencing we have, which you see right here, that means that GIA Plan today.com can hook you up and you don't even have to be in the same town they're all over down in florida and tennessee and they'll take care of you so amanda how are we phrasing this since i did a very poor job yesterday on the flying all right so i said today's tough question what are your expectations of nico um your first choice is that he plays in the orange bowl second is that he starts the 2023 season Third is starts halfway through the 23 season. And the fourth is he sits until 2024. Okay. So I'm a recruiting guy, right? I covered it a number of years. I'm supposed to sit back and tell you how 50% of the recruits <coughs> will flame out. And if you go back and look at it statistically, that's it. Any school, 50% tend to flame out. 50% tend to be good. Very few have immediate impacts, usually about four to six. I'm going to tell you, I think he starts day one of the 2023 season. And, and here's why I think that for a couple of different reasons, uh, Travis said he sits till 2024 unless emergency, but here's why I think that he will start the 2023 season. And can you guys give me a little bit of leeway on this? So, like, if they run Joe Milton out there, injuries aside from this entire discussion, but if they run Joe Milton out there and they don't like what they got and he's starting by week two or week three, that kind of counts. Can I get that that much wiggle? Just a little. You're not giving me that wiggle? You would be the halfway through then. Okay. Um, so I'll, then if I have to choose, I will say starts at the beginning of the season. And here's why, Caleb. You got a guy in Joe Milton that got ready in an offseason. He didn't prove to be ready. You got a guy in um, this guy named Hendon Hooker who had a pretty good year, if you didn't hear. Uh, he basically had an offseason as, air quotes, the starter. I don't think this offense is that complicated. I think that it's a simple read on the safety. I think there's every reason that Nico Iamuleva can be ready by the opener, or I'm going to hedge a little bit, by at least September. Um, I think that's very possible and very doable, especially with the fact that he's on campus right now. Your thoughts? So before we, before I get my thoughts, should we not have an option of never starts? <laughs> I'm just saying, should we not throw out the possibility that he does ne- he never ends up starting at Tennessee? Could he be a total bust? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's a possibility. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. I will I say, I'm sorry. I already sent it, so I'm uh, sorry. It's okay. Um, I don't think anybody would vote that anyway. I mean, yeah, no, that's true. Nobody's going to um, vote that. So, 
I, you know, Amanda and I talked about this last week. I would say I think he probably should start in 2023. But, Dave, I know we debated it before because you talk about the difference between practice players and in-game players, and I get that. I don't see that as an excuse for how Heupel decided to start Milton over Hindenhooker last year. I think Josh Heupel has a personal bias to Joe Milton. I, I, I do. I do. Very similar to how – very similar to how – the coaches in 2005 had a bias to Eric Ames when Rick Carlson was clearly the better quarterback. <laughs> um, I think that I think that I think Josh Heifel has a personal affinity for Milton. That was remember he recruited Milton when he was offensive coordinator at Missouri. Then Milton was the first guy he signed as a transfer when he was at Tennessee. Started Milton. These accuracy issues. I'm sorry, I refuse to believe that you can't see those in practice. And and so I think Heupel has a bias to Milton, and I think that's going to say why. I don't know. I think just I think because it was I think because he's been recruiting him for so long. Heupel's been recruiting Milton since 2016. So, so are you asking why he has a, a bias towards him, or like <clears throat> why he? I mean, why would he have a bias towards him? Like, what are the reasons, or why does Caleb think he has a bias towards him? Uh, why does he have a bias? Why, why does Caleb think he has a bias towards him? I, I thought the the quickest answer would just be the guy looks like he was, you know, carved from gods to be a quarterback. You know, physically, I, I thought that's where you might go. But why do you think he has an affinity for Milton? Well, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think he re- he's been recruiting Milton for so long again since 2016. I think we know Josh Heupel's like first like breakout quarterback as a coordinator was Drew Locke where Drew Locke and Milton share similarities, they both have gigantic arms. And so I think Heupel prefers the Hen and hooker is not really the type of quarterback Heupel seems to prefer. Usually it seems like he usually prefers the quarterback with a huge cannon for an arm um, accurate or not, but Milton is so inaccurate, but I don't, I, I think, I think Josh Heupel keeps looking past that, honestly. And I think to his own undoing, he's going to stick with Milton so I'm going to say halfway through 2023. I think it's more likely Nico starts some point in 2023, but in the second half of 2023. So are you telling me that Joe Milton essentially has to get the job and lose the job? Yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I think Amanda, he's saying he has it already. I think he has it already. Amanda, do you think that he has to lose the job, or could there be pressure from the outside to play Nico and could he be that good where he takes the job? There's a difference between losing a job and someone taking the job. I think we'd all agree with that. Correct. I think there is a difference between losing it and someone taking it. I mean, look at Jalen Hurts and Tua. You know, Jalen Hurts didn't lose the job. Tua took it from him. So I could see, I could see Joe Milton, I think, is going to lose it. Because I think we've seen him lose it before. I think Kendon Hooker came in just like killing it. I think Joe Milton dropped the ball and you had to make a change. Now we've seen Heupel have pressure from it looks like the administration or outside or boosters, whatever, to to make certain changes or to uphold certain suspensions um, like Jalen McCullough, you know. Mm -hmm. It seemed like Josh Heupel kind of trended that way when that happened. It wasn't really, it, it didn't seem like it was in Heupel's hands as to whether McCullough was, was able to play or not. 
I think that was an administration decision. I think that there's a little bit of that at Tennessee. So whether or not Joe Milton is Heupel's guy, I think he's going to try to stick with him as long as he possibly can. And I think that uh, whether it's Nico or someone else, by the by halfway point of 2023, we're going to see a different quarterback under center. I th- I think it could be. I think it could be a situation, this would be great for Tennessee, where Joe Milton plays fine. Fine's not great. Fine's not even good. And then you have a Trevor Lawrence situation brewing on, on Tennessee's sideline. And that is, wow, that other guy is really, really good. Remember Trevor Lawrence, they weren't going to wait for him. They eventually played him, and some said too late. Who did he replace there, Caleb? Who was that? Kelly Bryant, who ended up ironically going to Missouri to play for Derek Dooley as offensive coordinator a year later. Right. So that wasn't a case where Bryant made a, a huge decision or a huge mistake or had a terrible game. That probably happened this past year uh, with DJ Ajugulande. Um, but that didn't happen with him. It was eventually Trevor's got to play. Trevor's got to play. I think that's the way it'll go down with Nico. I think I think Joe Milton will be okay, okay enough to be a, a middle of the pack. And I agree, he has terrible, terrible accuracy issues. But I've seen that fixed with Hendon Hooker. I don't think it's something you absolutely have to have with this offense. And I think that Tennessee will be okay with Joe Milton, but okay, he's not going to be good enough to beat the. You know, Tennessee got really fortunate in the Alabama and Florida games. They were better than Florida, but they almost. Let a slip-up happen there. They beat Alabama on a last-second field goal. They snudged over. I mean, they're going to have to be better to beat those top types of teams this upcoming season, not even to mention Georgia. So I think at some point during the middle of the season, the coach is going to look around the room and say, got a better chance than Sneeko, kid. And I, I think that's what will happen. I think that's the way it will go down. We shall see. Um, should be very interesting. Look at my eyes. I can see, speaking of being able to see, it's because I got LASIK at Kasich at, <laughs> I got LASIK at Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. And they're local. They want to fix your vision. They want to make sure it's fixed the right way. That's because they care because they're local. They don't just fly in and do a surgery and head out. Back in two minutes, and we will visit with the one, the only Chris Landry to discuss what he sees via Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn in the future of Nico Iamaleva and his thoughts on some upcoming bowl games. Stay tuned. More after this. Two minutes off the hook sports. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK vision correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. 
With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct Service Station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do, and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left, and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. Welcome back. So what's best case scenario for Joe Milton as you see it, Caleb? I think he could finish out the season. I mean, I think, like, like, I've told you guys, no matter what, I think next year is a transition year anyway. I don't see any top 10 finish in next year's season. So, you know, because there are problems beyond the quarterback that Tennessee has to address next year. So I was seeing eight and four anyway next year as, as kind of a cap and eight and four, nine and three. And then I was calling for my 2024 national championship prediction. But um, so I think he can finish the year. Wow. You're calling your shot for 2024. I'm calling it right now. Yes. It's pretty strong. You want some of that action, Amanda? I did. I'm taking the field. It's kind of tough to pick that one. Uh, hit that like button if you like the fact that Caleb Calhoun is on the record. Tennessee wins the national title in 2024. I was at a, uh, I was at, at a casino last week, and I was going to call you for some games I might want to play in the bowl season. Called both of you, and um, that was a really fun casino. It had no sports book and had no craps tables. Wow. Well, I, I, they probably don't have sports gambling in Florida yet. Well, and they have this major um, window that go that sits between you and the dealer. Oh gosh! So it's like uh, if you try to say something, like you get eights. They say, "Do you want to double down or split?" I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Do you want to double down or split? I think I would like to uh, split those. I'm sorry. What did you say? I would like to split those. It was. I mean, couldn't get out of there fast enough. Have you ever had a really bad casino experience? Because by golly, when I go in a casino, I expect them to do everything that they possibly can to make me comfortable to give them my money. I don't want to wait for my uh, the tonic and lime. I don't want to wait for my wife's Diet Coke. Got a decent amount of money on the table. I want to be catered to. I don't want my parking to be five football fields away. Am I being a diva there, Amanda? Because you're kind of agreeing with me. No, I, so I dated, uh, had a relationship with someone who was like a casino, not, I don't know if you should call him a high roller. I don't know what you would call, but I was, I was at the casino like every weekend 
And so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. I mean, you, after you go there for a certain amount of time, it's like, I don't want to see the same thing in the gift stores. Like, can we change that up, please? Can we do something different? Um, I don't want to have to walk this far to get my Pepsi. I don't want, like, I just. You become a diva. And it's like, if I walked into Amanda's house and I said, I want to give you a thousand dollars. I would expect you to ask me, would you like to sit down? I mean, that's not asking too much. And, and, oh, they did the trick on me, too, where you ask for a voucher. So I may be too old for both of you guys for this, but you used to ask, say, hey, can I get a food voucher? And they'd give you a voucher and you'd go have a nice restaurant because you just lost a couple hundred bucks. Uh, He did the trick to me where he walks around and he's looking for his manager. He's looking for his manager and then comes back after about, Amanda knows this, comes back after about 20 minutes and said, I'm sorry, the manager said that uh, he hadn't qualified. You can go to guest services. Like guest services, that's where you go to get like the pen, you know, that you can write uh, hard rock in. And my wife goes to guest services, stands there in line for 30 minutes, gets nothing. I'm like, what has happened? You can't even get oh, yeah, oh man, that would have never that wouldn't have that would not have flown in my previous relationship. There would have been I have horror stories about the the behaviors of the person that I dated. Yeah. I almost not went, good. I almost went leaving for Las Vegas when he flips the table. I didn't do that. Chris Landry joins us now. Of Landry football. Chris, we're just telling uh, casino stories, but you you weren't allowed to go to any of those as a coach, correct? Uh, casinos, you know, I know that it certainly wouldn't have been a good thing to do. Uh, but, you know, I never was uh, into gambling. Um, I don't know what, what it what it is. You know, I've got a uh, I've got some friends. I've got a really good friend who's a PGA pro, a teaching pro and. I don't know if you know, a lot of golfers, they just love to gamble. I mean, to gamble, and he's a huge football fan, and and um, he, he just is constantly, what do you think about this game? I'm like, I don't even know what the line is. I mean, I'm not even paying, you know, it just doesn't interest me. And I, so, no, I and, and I don't like cards or I, – I, nothing about it interests me, uh, quite frankly. Um, I understand they give, you know, sometimes free meals. That might interest me, but if I got to gamble <laughs> – uh, you know, you're, you're paying for it just a different way, right? Yeah. They, yeah. they don't even do that anymore. Oh, they don't? Yeah. Well, there's no point. Um, I want to ask you about Nico Iamaleva because for those that haven't maybe listened to the program since its inception, which was way back in June, one of the things you and I talked about early is how he had improved not only as a prospect, but just how he improved from specifically his junior year uh, to some tape that you saw him and did maybe saw him at the Manning Academy. Correct me if I'm wrong. And just your thoughts on, on him in general, how he's gotten better now that he's on campus over the past year. Well, I, I noticed some just from the uh, underclassman tape, junior tape to the, this past year, you could see a little improvement in some of his technique. And I, I think he's worked with a quarterback coach and uh, spent a little extra time on, working footwork and things like that. I thought, you know, he did a little bit better. It's, that's not 
that's normal, right? I mean, you should get better as the more you do something, the better you get. So it's not like, you know, a, a breaking news thing. I mean, it's, it's a good thing. Um, he's dealt with some injuries, been a little bit of a setbacks at times, but you know, he's progressing and, um, I thought he did a really nice job. The guy's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of, um, charisma, a lot of, um, uh, what I would call potential leadership characteristics. I think the fact that he's kind of embraced the program, the city, the university, the, you know, and kind of taking the bull by the horns on helping to recruit other guys. I mean, all those things are good leadership signs. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's, it's all positive in terms of his physical and I think intangibles. Um, one of the things I want to ask specifically, it just seems like the ball pops out of his hand um, really well. Just that arm strength. I know that's one of the things you said you wanted to see, one of the things you'd like to see actually in person. But w- what have you been able to garner from that? Yeah, no, the ball the ball does, a, does have a, a nice pop come out of hand. It does, it does explode, which is something you can't teach. It's um, – not the most important thing. It's not everything, but boy, when you have it, it's a it's a tool in your tool belt that can help you. You see that in the league, you know. Just you know, when you look at the Josh Allen's, the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herberts, they just do things that they make some of the throws. Even this weekend, and you say, "My goodness, there's only but about three or four guys around that could do that." So when you have the – and that's just when things break down and you just can create and make a play. Uh, He has that type of physical ability with an arm strength to be late or to be improvisational and still get it there in a hurry, whereas the guys that are some of the greatest that's ever played, they don't have that, but their timing and their anticipation is so good. So – you know, necessity is the motherhood of invention. But when you have that in your arsenal, there are things, quite frankly, some of which you, you really can't teach that he can do. So his arm strength is is unique, no question. So we talked about um, uh, Milton and and some of his issues that he's having. And also the fact that Josh Heupel seems to have a lot of I don't know if confidence in Milton is the word or belief. He seems to stick with his guy, Milton. Um, and so question for you, do you think how, how big of an impact do you think Nico will have at the very beginning? Or do you think Josh Heupel has an affinity for Milton? Well, speaking of arm strength, Milton is as good as they, they come. I mean, he's, he's another guy, the ball explodes on him. So it's been an accuracy issue with him. Um, I think the reason why Josh has confidence in him is because he sees him in practice. He works with him and he sees him in meetings. So a lot of what he saw in him, and I, I tell people all the time, I have to remind them that this is the guy that beat out Hendon Hooker prior to last season. So there was enough there in practice to say, this is the guy we're going with to start because he's performed better. That's how you earn the starting job. So they saw a lot in him. Um, obviously, that went differently, and, and Hendon Hooker has been great since the early part of the last year and, of course, this past season. 
I think that only time's going to tell on, on, on how much better Joe has gotten. I mean, we need to see him play more and I'm just excited to see him in the bowl game and what have you to see how he's progressed. I think there is legitimate belief that it certainly from Josh that, you know, it's not like, well, he's been here. That's who we're going to go with. It's there's a confidence, a confidence level in him that he not only can make plays, but he can make the right decisions. And in this offense, like any offense, you've got to know it and understand it. But this is an offense that requires a lot of, you know, repetition, a lot of seeing it and a lot of reaction. That reaction comes with experience. You know, when people talk about instincts, people think that's instinctive, meaning you're born with it. Well, nobody's born with it. You know, you're maybe born with a with a gene of calmness or, you know, you know, whatever. Everything is instincts are learned when you become really good at something you developed an instinctual quality of seeing it and understanding. And I just think that somebody that's been in the program they're very comfortable with him. They're going to be more comfortable with him than somebody that's just been there for you know, a couple of weeks. Um, over time, could that change? Could, you know, the play of the guy that's earned it? You know, I mean, all those things factor in. So you never know. And people always will always laugh when people say, well, they should have started him, uh, Hendon Hooker, at the beginning of last year. Well, based on what? You know? You know, the, the, you know, sometimes you make decisions and sometimes it's the best thing is when guys don't start and they sit and when their time comes, they're more ready than they were if they'd have started three games ago. You can only base it on what you have. That's practice, games, meetings. And uh, I think with Milton, he's got more of that than, than really anybody else. Um, and that's why they're more comfortable with him. Whether that's going to continue or not, I, obviously we don't, we don't know. We'll find that out. Chris Landry's appearance from LandryFootball.com, and you have to go to that website to learn more about football. Is brought to you in part by Zach England. Zach's got your back. Best personal injury attorney in Chattanooga. Don't let the insurance companies do you wrong, and they'll try with their big-time lawyers. Zach can match them. Tip for tat. So Zach's got your back. Zach England of Best and Brock. Chris? Have you ever found yourself in a position, because Caleb brought up something before we had you on, that maybe Josh Heupel just really likes Joe Milton for whatever reason. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you've kind of questioned yourself as a coach? Like, maybe maybe I'm too loyal to this guy for whatever reason. You know, I got to know his family, whatever the case may be. Have you ever found yourself in that position where you – kind of had to look at yourself and say, am I making the right call here? Oh, sure. Um, in fact, it's one of the things that um, I learned particularly when I transitioned into scouting in personnel. Um, having done both, is a, it, it's different. It's a different discipline. And one of the things I learned early on in scouting was to not get close to players. Um, meaning it's not that I don't like them or anything, but I don't want to have that relationship of, I want to have that cold. This is, this guy is the best, um, guys that are easily to easier to coach coaches tend to like them more guys that maybe have more potential, but 
they're harder to coach. It's more taxing. Anyone can relate to that. You know, it's, if something's easy, it's yeah, there we go. If it's harder to do, oh boy, yeah, this again. You know, but that's why you know sometimes it can be difficult. I, I, again, though, I don't think it's he liked Joe Milton more than he likes this guy. He didn't certainly didn't like Joe Milton more than he liked Hendon Hooker as a person. It's just the reason why coaches as a rule like guys that have been in the system is just what I just said. They've been in the system. They've worked with them more. The more you work with them, the more you develop a relationship, the more you've taught them, the more they learn and understand. It's like anybody running a business, you know, if you've got a person that is your right-hand man or lady that has been in the business for a while and they know how things are done, then there's a new person that's brought in. You know, there's a belief that that person's really good or you wouldn't have hired them, but there's a learning curve that you, they don't know how we do that. What does that mean? And then, so it's not DNA, you know, well, I, the mom is nicer to me or the dad's nicer to me or I like them more. Or I like the kid more. That's not that's not a factor. What's a factor is just once you're in the system, you have a belief in them that, look, they've they've been there. They know what to expect. And that's what Joe Milton has that others don't have at this point. It doesn't make them better. And it doesn't mean that's the way it's going to end up. But for right now, that's all you have to go on. So, Chris, you, um, having worked with the uh, Oilers, you, I would say, were involved in the gold standard of a guy with a big arm and turning him into an NFL quarterback in Steve McNair, who had the prettiest deep ball, I think, I still, to this day, think I had ever seen. Um, what are some of the things you guys had to tweak with him, and do some of those things apply to a quarterback like Joe Milton that may need to work on some of his accuracy issues, and, are they, and, and, and could they be similar in that way? Well, Steve had come from an offense at Alcorn where he was never under center. Um, It was oversimplified, meaning basically it was a shotgun, roll right or roll left. And guys, it wasn't a design route. Guys just worked to get open. And it was was just very go out there and make a play. Um, Some might call it schoolyard pickup football. So he had to really learn a system. First thing we had to do is teach them how to take a snap under center because we were going to be an under center team. We'd run some shotgun. So what we did, we first thing we did is we didn't start them because that puts practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. So if you put a guy in and he's not ready, all he's going to do is resort to resort to what he, what he knows and not what you're trying to teach him. And you're just ingraining bad habits. So the first thing we did is we had a veteran quarterback that we had signed, Chris Chandler. And then after him, uh, after a year, Dave Craig, Dave was more of a true backup as we had begun to integrate Steve. So Steve got to play in the last quarter of the first season. And we, but it's the practices one on top of another. People think practice is practice. They just, Practice is just something people hear, and they don't realize that if you practice, you're practicing every day from training camp, August, September, October, November. By the time you get to November, you've got one practice stacked up against another, stacked up against another, and another, and another, and another, and another, and another. 
those things you become a little better. And then what we had to do is kind of tailor game plan a little bit more. Uh, obviously, he was very effective <clears throat> out of the shotgun in short yardage and goal line as a running quarterback draw. So we did a lot of that. We moved the pocket more. So we designed things that he would be more comfortable with while trying to teach him things that are staples that any quarterback needs to learn. I think in today's game, um, what you're seeing is more of the athletic traits of a quarterback being utilized at high school and at college. So I think that, you know, you can adjust a little quicker from high school to college and certainly from college to the NFL um, more than in the past. Now, it depends upon your team around you, too. Uh, if you go to a bad team, you know, in college or NFL, you're going to have a harder time having success because you don't have the support around you. Guys are not helping you to make plays, even if you got a play to be made. So I, I think they're, what's going to happen with Nico is, A, what's really important for the team and for the locker room in general, players are smart. A quarterback has to come in and win the team. If you're like, well, you come in, you're going to start, and a lot of things are said in recruiting, you know, what usually what is said is you're going to have an opportunity to start. And you've got to win the team. And the only way you win the team is when you get in that huddle as a quarterback, I'm talking, you get in that huddle, Everybody needs to buy in, and the only way they're going to buy in is if you know how to call a play, how to execute a play. If they don't believe you can do it, you can say all you want and, you know, all this bravado, they see right through that. So it's something that has to be earned, not for just earned sake, once you prove that you can lead this team and you know the offense better than anybody else on the field, that's when they're going to follow you. So how long does it take for that? Depends on the individual. Depends on who's coaching them. Depends on who's learning. What's their learning curve? How difficult the system is? The players around him? How quickly they're able to assimilate? It's not a one-size-fit-all. It's going to take this amount of time. Um, it will depend uh, on all those variables. So I think which you just just going to have to see how he progresses, getting in early, and then we'll see where they are. The other thing is, as a coach, is what's going to give us our best chance to win? And so, so I think that that's where, you know, maybe a certain guy with experience is going to get the first start. But if he doesn't play well – then maybe you tend to go with the younger guy and say, well, we'll ride with him now. It, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Excuse me. Sorry. Coach Landry, looking at Tennessee right now, looking at being – put yourself in Josh Heupel's shoes. You have a lot of uh, decisions to make, obviously, about quarterback. Transfer portal, do you go after somebody there? Nico, Joe Milton, Taven Jackson – what would you do as a coach, just looking at outside in, what would you, what would you do as far as that's well, concerned? Yeah. I mean, um, I would want to look at a possibility of the right. I don't want to just go get somebody in the transfer portal. There's going to be a specific guy that I'm going to want, not just one, but it could be a type of guy. And it might be one guy, two guys, three guys. And I, I, I try to recruit those guys because I want to have depth. 
I don't want to have in any system, but particularly in this system, to have a quarterback that underperforms or gets injured and I've got to rush a guy that's not ready. You, you're talking about a season that could go really bad. I mean, that could go six and six and look like Florida, you know, this year, next year for Tennessee, if you don't have good quarterback play, you know, um, so I'd want to have, I'd want to have some insurance. I'd want to have a guy that, that has got enough experience that I can come in and he can with not as many reps be able to run this offense. Okay. And so having somebody in the mix and, and getting Joe Milton, is ready and then getting Nico. Those are all things you've got to work simultaneously. Now, how much how much reps do you give to each? Depends upon um, depends on how the players progress. So I mean, I think that there's a reason why they sign Nico. Um, there's a reason why they believe in him. But when is he going to be ready to take over? Heck, you don't know. They don't know. It's not like yes, come in. You know, it's not like, you know, go to the doctor and uh, you take these antibiotics for two weeks and you're good. It doesn't work that way in coaching. It's like you come in and we're going to spend a certain amount of time with him and then he's going to be good to go. That You don't know. You wor- It's a day-by-day. You work him hard. And he might end up being the guy day one next year. He may not even play next year. Mm-hmm. It depends upon how he performs, how he, he develops, how Milton plays. The guy that's going to be the best, that's going to perform the best, and that's that's just not just physically, but the understanding is going to win it. So to me, you want to at this stage, you want to put enough pieces in there, and then you work them from a coaching standpoint and give them certain amount of reps in certain situations. You can in the off season program, there are things you can do and work, and just to me, it's not as difficult as people make it out to be because. Cream rises to the top. I mean, the the player that performs the best and earns it, that's the one you have the most trust in. And so it's it's like, you know, it's kind of like evaluating players. People say, well, you evaluate this. A player evaluates himself, how he plays and what his skill sets are. You just got to know what to look for. And as a coach, you've got you've to teach them. you got to work them hard. And you got to push them. And who's going to respond to that? Sometimes younger guys, it takes them a while – get to the adjusting to the college way of coaching and learning and, and, and got a lot of other things going on campus and just a lot of things that kind of retards their development of getting there. And then I've had cases where a guy just comes in really, really quickly. So I think you, you got to put the pieces in place. You got to have options. You got to have insurance policies, so to speak. And then you got to coach them hard and then, It'll, it'll play its way out. Chris's appearance is brought to you in part by Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive there in Cleveland. I don't care if you're coming from Nashville, Knoxville, or Chattanooga. Cleveland, Tennessee is the home of your industrial mowers that you need, your commercial mowers, and they're able to buy in quantity so you can save money with your business. Also, residential mowers, they have that as well. Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive, it's worth the drive. How many days, because we, we like to sit back in the media and say, oh, they're going to announce it on Friday or the second week of camp or whenever. How many days do you typically know before you make it public that 
Uh, that's probably the guy. Oh, uh, I mean, when you announce it or when you actually know when, when he's the guy? Because I think it's a it's – a, yeah, because I think, I think you, it's, again, a gradual process. You begin to see this guy's a little bit better at this. But then as you – the further you got more work to do in terms of practices, you see guys regress. You see guys come on. And so – there's a point where you start to get a feel for who the guy is. It's rarely, you know, it's not like it's rarely the, okay, we're going to announce it Monday at noon that Sunday night you're going, Oh, is it a, a or B, B, a, it's you know, and it's, you pretty much kind of, it's trending one way. So you pretty much know, normally you just, I think it depends on, there are different ways to when you announce it. So if you feel like um, the team kind of needs to know it, and I, I think you know by reps. So like if you have a feel for this is going to be the guy and it's, you know, it's in the fall practice, then you, then you want to get the guy or, or whenever the situation is practice wise, you, you, you start to basically give, the guy reps because you can be the guy and pick a guy. If, if you don't get the reps in practice, it, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to be as prepared. It's kind of like you can be smart in class, but if you don't go to the lectures and know what the topic is, you know, I, you're not going to do as well on the test. So that's kind of what practice is all about. You pretty much know, and you work it with reps, but sometimes what you do is when it's really close, you'll give first team reps to this one. And the next day, first team reps to that one. And, and then you see how it plays out. Eh, from that point on, when do you announce it? Eh, I don't know. I mean, it kind of depends if, if you feel like the team is going to be better to know or if you feel like you share it with the team and, and you don't want to share it with the media. Eh, sometimes you just announce it whenever. I, I never really worried about when it announced. I worried about how was the team buying into whoever it's going to be and, and but to me it's never usually as big of a surprise as people think i thought it was interesting this year that um and i thought it was unique and i thought it was good um and you can do this in college when you have the right schedule and you don't have to play a big opponent but to see what uh, uh jim harbaugh did this year yeah he had two quarterbacks I'm going to start player A in this game, and I start player B in this game. Just give them both a chance. It was close enough. I think in today's world, the way I did it might be a little bit different because today, to answer your question, you might delay the announcement because if you've got a guy that you really like but he's not going to win the job, the sooner you announce it, the greater the chance that he might have to say, you know what, I'm going somewhere else. And you don't want guys to – to leave and transfer if they've got time to do it. And then all of a sudden you turn around and, you know, two games into it, you got an injury. Well, in Michigan, just an example, you know, they, their guys left now, the backup, but imagine, you know, if, if they had to go through a situation where there is a, a, an injury, a significant injury, and then you don't have your backup. That's what coaches fear today more than ever. Chris, great job as always. We will talk to you soon. LandryFootball.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you before Christmas. I want to make sure. But happy holidays, and we'll talk to you later in the week. You guys did the same. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one, Chris. uh, LandryFootball.com. Carson posting, 
Now we go back to this one. Yeah, Carson saying sophomore year, two years from now, he leads us to a natty with other prices. Hype has been, Hypo has been around him recruiting, has been great. Carson, me and you, I got you, bro. We're one of the same on that natty. Caleb is in. That seems pretty lofty to me, Amanda. Yeah, just just a little. I mean, just a little bit. You still have, you know, you still have Saban. Saban's still there. Kirby Smart's still there. The talent uh, levels in Alabama and Georgia are still there. I, I that's lofty. I'm just. I'm not saying it won't. I'm not saying it won't happen. Well, I'm you're, just saying you're being that girl. I'm being that guy, but for kind of a different reason. I, I think that Tennessee could have easily slipped up and lost to Pitt. They could have easily slipped up and lost to Alabama. It's not like they went through the season and rolled everybody. <laughs> I, I'm being that guy in that regard, and that those aren't guaranteed wins just because you won them in 2022. They don't play a Pitt in 2024 because the Oklahoma game was nixed, and they're not going to get a Power 5 non-conference opponent. And That's that will team. hurt you. That will hurt you, though. And they're playing in the. They're still going to get the love of playing in the SEC. So, you know, uh, yes, Saban, Kirby, Dabo, Dabo. I, I, we need that meme, you know, where they have the the guy like is holding the cigarettes and is like just naming all the things. Oh crap, I forget that they do it with app. Ball spot fitty thing. I've gotten to the point where I'm a little bit over the ball spot fitty. Did anybody <laughs> over that as just a saying that shows up on social media all the time? I, I mean, I'm a little. I think I everyone should have been over it when Vols almost lost by fifty to South Carolina. Yeah, I think that's when you let it go. Guys, Tennessee was. We keep forgetting how outmanned talent wise Tennessee was this year. They were not. I'm not forgetting it. I'm not forgetting it. I'm just saying when you get beat down like that, you let that go. Oh, I, I get it. I'm just saying that. Yes, Tennessee barely got by Pitt. They didn't really barely get by Florida. They controlled that game for most of the time. They still are severely undermanned in a lot of positions talent-wise. So they got by – I mean, they got by with how people just out-coaching people half the time. Well, I will tell you right now what I hate, and it's not going to change, is VFL. That hashtag VFL. And the reason I hate that is because Derek Dooley brought that up. I knew it. I knew that's why. It's your bias against Dooley. Uh, there's no <laughs> bias. It's just he's a buffoon. and he had the big sign did you see this amanda google this opportunity is it was supposed to be now and here (laughs) from the locker room going in so instead put those words together in the same font what does it look like opportunity is nowhere yes (laughs) (laughs) will you google that one that's a classic and i went up to him i said Derek, i don't understand what that means it says opportunity is nowhere and then he went on this long spiel about it depends how you look at it and it's how you view things i'm like i'm viewing things in english i don't know what you're viewing things in but this is opportunity is nowhere is exactly what that said and he came up with vfl this is the guy who referred to his own team as the germans in d-day like who wants to be the germans ever (laughs) 
No, he was almost as bad as Kanye and that stuff. Let's <laughs> oh my uh, God. Y'all have gone off the rails. Yeah, Big Orange Phillies in, is in North Knoxville. They are family friendly. They are fantastic. Big Orange Phillies has darts. It has billiards. It has everything. If the game's not that exciting, but they've got all the games, so you can find one you'll sh- certainly like. It's on Maynardville Pike, close to Maynardville. It's also close to Halls. It's close to Powell. So stop by Big Orange Phillies. You will love it. And family-friendly, I'll say that again. Uh, Smoky Mountain Red said the presser where he was looking through the binoculars was hilarious. All of his stupid sayings, and I'm not taking credit. I'm almost taking blame. But all of his stupid rants were prompted by a question by me. And I'm not happy about it. I'm not bragging, but I brought out the worst in that man. It sounds like you might be bragging a bit. No, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to be the center of attention. Yeah. Oh, not in a press conference. No, you don't want to be. I can't help you know that. You don't want to be the center of attention. No, I feel you. I don't know, though. Like, yep, there is it is. There it is. Opportunity is nowhere. Nowhere. You tell me that how that says now and here, Amanda. You're impartial here. There's there's no and in there. <laughs> no. That's literally just says opportunity is nowhere. <laughs> that's By not way, even within the architecture. That's the funny part. That's not even being like, you know, that's not you're not being pessimistic by reading that. That's what it says. <laughs> it's all one word, too. I guess. If you're listening on our audio channels, we encourage you to uh, listen on YouTube as well. We're on, and they've got a neat little app. You can listen to us and watch us and see some of our antics. Uh, we're on 8.30 to 10 each and every day. And uh, JL saying that South Carolina game was hardly 50, though it felt that way. Still, though, Still I'm, dropping, way. I'm dropping the balls by 50 after that. After that game... I'm 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 moving on. I'm not moving on from City Heating and Air Conditioning. Looking forward to meeting with them tomorrow. Cityheatandair.com. And man, I tell you what, integrity matters because if they show up to service your unit, they're not just going to try to sell you another one for funsies. Nope, they're going to do what needs to be taken care of. And those regular service calls will help you fend off those big unit repairs. City Heating and Air Conditioning, they are absolutely phenomenal back in two minutes with amanda caleb i'm dave it has risen to the highest level in over 40 years according to the april 2022 u.s inflation calculator will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation simply stated if the cost of goods and services are eight percent higher and you're only earning four percent in your investments That money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, 
and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. This is Al's Dish Barbecue Supply, so come on in and see all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food, and we'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, where Chattanooga goes to grill. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Putting things in perspective, exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. You're so old, when you were a kid, rainbows were black and white. And Amanda LaFrada. New kids on the block just called. They wanted you as a backup dancer. This day in sports history is brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. I can see I was in the ocean. I was in the pool. Didn't have to worry about contacts. Why? Because I got the LASIK surgery. Also fantastic for cataracts. If you've got somebody elderly in your family circle you need to take care of, you need to send them to Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. All right. So this day in sports history, kind of a big one. December the 19th, 1961, Chattanooga native and football legend Reggie White was born. Reggie White was recognized as a member of the NFL 100 all-time team. At that time of White's NFL retirement, he led the NFL with 198 all-time sacks, and he held the all-time sacks leader in professional football with 221.5 sacks. He had nine consecutive seasons with at least 10 sacks, which remains an NFL record. He earned All-Pro honors for 13 of his 15 seasons, including eight as a first-team selection. So, Amanda, I know that you're a huge Green Bay Packers fan because of your uh, husband. So, (laughs) no, no. no. no, she holds true to her fandom. Um let me start with you. Your thoughts on Reggie White, because he's got a couple of years on you, and I'll share mine, and Caleb, get your thoughts as well. Every time I think of Reggie White, I just think of how sad the ending was, I guess, for him. And it was sleep apnea, wasn't it? Yes. And how terrible that – I mean, oh, just fantastic football player, don't get me wrong. But, of course, me being – you know female I think of how sad and how tragic his his death was and how way too soon he left and but he made a huge impact on on football in general probably one of the greatest to ever play the game agreed Caleb I've always found it very interesting that Tennessee had two of the most dominant athletes on the defensive line ever and a little history lesson, which I'm sure you know. Doug Atkins literally jumped over at 260 pounds, jumped over offensive on. I mean, it was it was bizarre. He was a freak of nature before we, you know, he was a Bo Jackson type athletic speed, size, speed ratio, all that. 
Reggie Watt was a little bit different. I don't know if he was that that explosive, but man, he was pretty darn explosive when he'd use that right arm. And to be able to get to the quarterback just using a right arm shiver cross was just nobody else did that. So I've always found it interesting that two of Tennessee's very best players were innovators because they were so innately gifted. And I think those two guys were. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I, you know, I, I wrote this year a few years ago. I was tracking like former Vols at different positions in the NFL. And I know Tennessee is called wide receiver U. This past decade, they became punter U. I don't know if that was a joke of a thing, but they really were punter U with the Colquitt brothers. Colquitt. Yeah, Colquitt brothers and yeah, Michael Polardi. And but honestly, there was a strong case for them as defensive end U or defensive line U in general. I mean, because you're right, Reggie White and Doug Atkins are two of the most dominant. But there's another just a line of pro bowlers. Leonard Little was a pro bowler in the NFL. Sean Ellis was a pro bowler. Um, uh, underrated player who played with Doug Atkins, funny enough, or played right after Doug Atkins. I think a guy named Darius McCord played for the Detroit Lions in the uh, 50s and the 60s. Three-time pro bowler. You got Chuck Smith, who had a nine-year career in the NFL. Steve DeLong won the Outland Trophy. Um, Robert Ayers. I mean, the... And, and that, that doesn't even get started with the interior, which I still say it's mind-boggling to think that John Henderson and Albert Hainsworth were teammates together at defensive tackle in 2001. Um, and that, you know, whatever your thoughts, thoughts are on Albert Hainsworth, and look, I, I don't really have that many positive thoughts of Albert Hainsworth, if I'm going to be honest with you. But, God, he was a freak of nature athletically. No, <laughs> I, I can remember a coach coming up to me, um, and this was before maybe a sophomore year. It may have been freshman year. Maybe it was. And I thought, so do you think that Albert Hainsworth can be a good compliment to John Henderson? And he goes, the way he stings the ball or stings the, the offense when the ball snapped, said he can be better. Right then, I was like, whoa. You know, John Henderson was an All-American at the time. Alvin Trophy winner. Yeah, coming into that season, I was like, he can be better. And he goes, yeah, you watch. I was like, oh, it's kind of true. You know, he just had that special sting. I, He's one of those defensive linemen that I could imagine kind of like a Zion Wilson could probably 360 dunk it. Where John Henderson may be a better all-around guy, especially against the run. But Albert Hainsworth was one of those guys. I'll give you a, a bit of trivia. How about this? So speaking of speaking of John's, what Alabama player is widely considered one of, if not the best, offensive lineman? And this has a tie to Tennessee. Offens- Hannah. Yep, that's exactly right. Do you know where he's from? I'm assuming Tennessee. He's from Chattanooga. Isn't it weird that John Hanna and Reggie White, though they didn't play at the same time? grew up the best arguably the best defensive and offensive lineman in the history of football grew up within it's like half it's like eight blocks of each other isn't that strange well that that southern border of tennessee right there is all that's always been fertile recruiting ground for um alabama and tennessee i think fulmer's from around there and said that he seriously considered going to alabama back um in the 60s um it was between it was between alabama and tennessee um so yeah it's it's an interesting kind of 
that 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 little slither. As a matter of fact, it, it's Winchester, right, Dave? Where like Fulmer and Johnny Majors are both from, like that that county right there, right? Oh, uh, Fulmer's from Winchester. Um, Johnny Majors has a lot of had a lot of strong thoughts on Winchester and the residents that came from there, and he is from another area that's right over the hill. Oh, okay. So that started <laughs> that feud started way like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of great, you know, we, we spoke about great and Mike Leach being a great interview. Johnny majors was the original, probably best. I wish I could have been a reporter when Johnny majors was coaching in the sec. Like he's a guy who would have answered any question you asked him. Yeah. Um, and, well, and it was completely different back then. They'd go on that sky riders tour instead of media days, like Amanda and I went to. So they'd hop on a plane and they'd go from school to school, which they're, they're getting ready to do an SEC story short on that, which I'm really excited about. And afterwards, after they'd cover practice, what would you do? Can you imagine this? Well, you'd go have a couple drinks with the coach, kick it with him. That'd be fun. Can you imagine that? Oh, that'd be great. And I know Johnny, Johnny Majors, I think, liked to drink, didn't he? <laughs> so. He did. And uh, I, I was told by some of the older guys that um, um, uh, Paul Bear Bryant was totally different than what you thought he would be. And that all of them would just sit around and have a couple pops with you at night, have some whiskey with you. And all the Sky Riders, they would do it every night. But the coaches would just do it the one night they were there. So by the end of it, all the Sky Riders were just like, feel like death and because it's been 12 straight nights uh, they fly in watch a practice drink my favorite story of all time from any one of the sky riders and i won't i won't out him is this one and they said they had this party for the sky riders one of the uh this guy comes in who they didn't know and passed out in the tub because i got to get some cold water and it was like one in the morning and so they get to the airfield the next day to take off at six o'clock. And the guy they didn't know shows up and he's in his captain suit. And he's the captain. Glad <laughs> he slept that off. He's the captain of the plane. I'm thinking of the Denzel movie flight. Yeah, it slept in a wet shower uh, or slept in a cold shower the night before he was supposed to take off at five in the morning. Oh, my gosh. They don't teach you that in flight school, but maybe they should because he handled it and they were safe. All right. So how much stuff did you give away uh, while I was gone, Amanda? A lot of stuff on. No, we didn't do it. Okay. Well, we're doing it now. Message board bingo. Here's the way it works. Amanda will ask the question of which message board was this posted on? So she'll read the message board post. It's usually crazy. And then if you can beat Caleb, to the final answer, then you'll win uh, one of a couple of things. We've got a craft treats prize pack. We've got a Owl's Nest barbecue prize pack. We've got good stuff. So you just need to be on there posting before Caleb comes to his final answer because Caleb is way better than me at this. So there you go. It is message board bingo. It is a tradition unlike any other. 420, Bob. I just took a melatonin at 8.37 p.m. on a Saturday night. This is a nightmare. This is the plot against our basketball team. Our coach decided to ruin us from within because he was mad that Trump took our state in 2016 by such a large margin. 
Wow, Caleb knows politics too. Don't spit it out. Let's see the message board. Does anybody have that one again? Go ahead and read it again because that was a lot to ingest. Okay. I just took a melatonin at 8.37 p.m. on a Saturday night. This is a nightmare. This is the plot against our basketball team. Our coach decided to ruin us from within because he was mad that Trump took our state in 2016 by such a large margin. What do you got, Caleb? What? (laughs) This is why I enjoy reading these things. My my, my thing is, if Trump took the state by a large margin in 2016 or 2020, then he would have taken the other state. He would have taken that state by a large... You would have known he was going to take that state by a large margin. So you would have been shocked by it. Gene says LSU. No. Is it SEC? Yes. I'll go Kentucky. Yes, it's Kentucky. I got Kentucky. Impressive. Okay. Um, Brandon also got Kentucky. Who else? Brandon. Brandon. I think I got it before him, though. Kentucky's been reliably red ever since John Calipari has been there. So I I don't think he would overnight sabotage Kentucky. And if he had a problem with Kentucky being red, he wouldn't be at Kentucky. You talk about a guy who's gotten a lot of play out of being the president. Seems like Donald Trump has his own nightly show. <laughs> or at least I mean, he did have a nightly show for 10 years. <laughs> You're fired. Viles uh, Automotive Group is right there on Callahan. Viles Automotive Group is your home for uh, trust and your home for integrity. And they want, they need, they appreciate your business. And they've got a great service department if you need your car worked on. They also have a fantastic selection of cars that you're not going to find anywhere else because Mr. Viles works very hard to get the best cars, the auctions that uh, he knows that you'll want to drive and he knows that are good investments for your family. All right, Caleb, what do you make of this basketball team? I don't think there's much to be uh, upset about losing to um, Arizona on Saturday night. Um, it, it's funny. Jaru and I were texting yesterday um, about Uros Plavchik because uh, Rick Barnes got mad at him um, because he does throw a little, a few shots, but I think you agree. Don't you, don't, doesn't every championship basketball team need that one player who just does a little bit of, the player that Amanda would never give the Heisman to because of their low character. <laughs> every bat like has there ever been a basketball team win a championship without that one player to do the without the Dennis Rodman, the Draymond Green, the Ron Artest? Um I seem, to, I seem to remember a lot of hard fouls coming from Charles Hathaway. Uh, oh, I forgot about him. That's right. He, uh, he seemed to be the guy that was really almost behind the game. He was just a big guy that was a post guy where normally those guys shoot 33 pointers a game. Right. Uh, but he, he was kind of that guy. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of some other examples. Oh, my gosh. Who was the really tall seven-footer white guy from Carnes? Oh, man. Doug Roth. I thought he had a little bit of an enforcer mentality. Um, yeah, I think you want one of those guys to let the Slays be Slay, who will join us on Wednesday, to let the Tony Harris's hit the bottom of the – backboard when they want to is that you you need one guy who's gonna maybe throw a shot maybe you know Kendrick Perkins talked about this in the NBA he said look when you get to the NBA and you're a post player 
there's a guy that's going to throw punches at you and they want to see if you're going to fight back or not. And, you know, that's kind of the way, yeah, you might get a technical here or there, but you kind of need that to, you kind of need to let people know that this, that this is where you stand. This is who you are. Okay. So what I want to do right now is I want to set this up for tomorrow. What's your favorite Tennessee tough guy? Now, obviously, news could break. Unfortunately, we saw that type of news last week, and we could completely change the way we're going. But as for as for now, what's your favorite Tennessee tough guy? Okay, in basketball, any sport. Mm, favorite Tennessee tough guy for any sport. I might need a night to think about that and come back tomorrow with you on that. I've got mine, Amanda. I you got mine. You've got yours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mine starts, my, my first name starts with an A for me. Is that yours? First name starts with a T. Okay. I like where we're going. 830 tomorrow. We will join you. Who is Tennessee's toughest guy? There's got to be a better way we can phrase that. We'll do that. Uh, off the hook sports, uh, especially want to thank uh, Caleb Calhoun and Caleb Gyro for Printing a ton of copy while I was out and about celebrating the anniversary. So uh, that was awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Amanda, for keeping everything straight on the YouTube channel. I certainly appreciate it. Can't tell you how much you guys mean uh, to us and what we're doing. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Brandon, go ahead and email me. I don't think you got it in before me, but I'm going to try to hook you up. And Kentucky basketball fans are the worst. Have a fantastic day, everyone. That's just a fact. It's a fact. I don't know if I follow the wrong people, but I hear I could hear Kentucky basketball fans complaining after a 30 point win over Villanova. They doxed a referee about like four years ago. They're not over like Ohio Musk- State. I'm sorry. Over Ohio State. It's close second. Ohio they, State football close second. I'm actually still gonna go Penn State football because I covered the Joe Paterno scandal at a local area near Pennsylvania and the way Penn State football fans defended him. Like after everything that happened, I'm just, it was just, it was. Are you talking about Elon Musk doxing? Because that was actually an accurate thing. And that was BS. Not everybody he suspended was doxing. No, was not. Um, But Kentucky fans did dox an official a few years ago. What does dox mean? Get real-time location of someone's. Like direct address and coordinates. That's not cool. Have a fantastic day, everyone. Amanda's Doc's coming up next. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.